You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 70 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Let's crack in. So let me bring you up to date on what's been going on the last couple of weeks, and then I will have another tremendous conversation for you with somebody that I've got immense respect for, and I know you will as well by the end of the episode if you don't already. First things first, I spent a couple of weeks in the north woods of Wisconsin in a town called Eagle River where we have a summer home. My wife Janet and our younger son Logan, who is getting ready to go away to college, are still there as I speak. And our older son Jake came to visit from Madison, which is about a three and a half hour drive to Eagle River. Then I came back to Cali to resume the grind so they could all continue living the lake life dream. Just kidding, Jano. But I'm not kidding about Logs. He's coming home, but only to bust out for Columbia before he heads to Boulder. Not Columbia University, but Columbia, like South America, like Bogota, like Medellin, like before entering college. Because I did stuff like that before I stepped onto the campus of UC Santa Barbara back in the day. Sure, I didn't. And if Logs were here right now, I'd crack wise and say, damn, son, must be nice. And because he's learned to roll with all my jabs and diffuse nearly anything and everything I throw at him, he would just say, it really is, Pop. It's lit. No, actually, Pop, it's literature. And then what can I say really other than, that's no cap, son. And by the way, hitting Columbia before Boulder really is the definition of being literature. Now be careful, son, make good choices, and be sure to reward my faith in you. So the fam is still in Wisconsin. I'm back in Cowie's solo this week with our two cats, Cody the Ragdoll Legend and Sapphire the Rescue Cat. And I got to do what is becoming one of my favorite traditions of all. I kicked it with my man, Ben Newman. Now, if you know this pod and you're interested at all in developing your mind and mental toughness, then you know Ben Newman. He's a performance coach, an author, a keynote speaker. He's been on this pod before, and I appeared as one of the speakers on his Mental Toughness Symposium a year ago. He has become a very good friend and confidant to me and somebody who has pushed me to do even more motivational speaking to make sure that I'm letting people know that I do have a message and a story, and it's going to inspire and motivate others. In short, I appreciate, admire, and respect the hell out of Ben. So, Ben and I come together at my favorite restaurant in the world, Javier's in Crystal Cove. Shout out to my man Javier, who's a world-class success story himself, entrepreneur and human being. A great human being. Straight rock star, Javier. So, Ben and I are having what he would later call in an Instagram story, quote, a legacy conversation, which I absolutely loved. Although we always tell each other that we're here for each other, I need to find more time. I need to make sure that I spend more time in Ben's orbit than just once a year when he comes out to Cali for vacation. After all, you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Now, not only was this a legacy conversation, it was an intense conversation. How intense? 
this intense. It is my favorite Ben Newman story. Let me reset it once again. So I'm talking to one of the NFL players that Ben works with. New England Patriots quarterback Mac Jones. We had a conversation a couple of years back, and we were small talking before beginning the live portion of our interview. And I said, yo, how about our dude Ben Newman? Jones looks at me and says, dude, that guy is so intense. And all I could do is laugh because Mac Jones played his college ball for the GOAT and one of the most intense guys ever, Nick Saban. And now he plays professionally for the GOAT in Bill Belichick. But he thinks that Ben Newman is the dude who's so intense. And he's not wrong. And I say that because, one, it's an awesome story. And I say it because when Ben and I were really leaning into it and trading ideas at Javier's this week, Ben says to me at one point, quote, look, man. I know I'm not for everybody, end of quote. And I immediately agreed with him, saying, brother, you know what? You're absolutely right. You are not for everybody. You're absolutely not for everybody. You're not for people who aren't willing to create a standard and ensure that that standard is the standard and that it's always standard above feelings. You're not for folks that aren't willing to go all in, all out, all day, every day. They're not going to connect to your message or your, quote, burn, because while they want your results, they're not willing to pay your price. And they won't understand your intensity and discipline and commitment and the fact that there are no days off and that when others are taking days off, that's when you're creating even greater separation like all the greats. So, no. Ben, my guy, you're not for everybody, but I love you, dude. I love the way you show up. I love the way you lead from the front. And I left that so-called legacy conversation even more energized and even more hyped and motivated once again to do better myself. Hey, and by the way, that notion of he's not for everybody, that applies to every last one of us. Him, me, and most of all, you. Especially if you're grinding and trying to kill it in your space and dominate the game and be the best version of yourself. Plenty of people won't get that. They won't get you because they don't pay that price and they can't keep up with you. So they'll try to drag you down to their level by telling you you're wasting your time. Your dream is not realistic. You're pushing too hard. You need to chill the hell out. So why don't we just go out, have a few pops, and relax? So no, you're not for everybody either. And if you have people around you who are discouraging you instead of encouraging you and shooting down your dream instead of pushing you and enabling you, then believe this. They're not for everybody either. Not for somebody who understands how precious life is and how rare opportunities are. So... Do not let anybody drag you down. If they're criticizing all the positive work that you are putting in and doing on yourself, if they're critical of that, they're really only telling on themselves. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to make the commitment, the work that you're already doing, and the commitment that you've already made. Keep that in mind. That brings me now to today's guest. One of my all-time favorite people, Texas A&M head basketball coach, Buzz Williams. Now, obviously, Buzz and I know each other from the world of sports. I have immense respect for Buzz, and he and I have been friends for a long, long time. But what I am most proud of as it relates to our relationship is our shared love of peak performance and self-actualization in ourselves and in others. 
buzz is an absolutely dynamic force as a basketball coach. One of the best in the business and literally still improving. But he is so much more than that. And as you're about to find out, he is consumed with making sure that there is so much more to his servitude and legacy than just being a great basketball coach. It's episode 70 of the Reinvention Project with guest Buzz Williams. It's incredible, and it's coming at you right now. Buzz, it is absolutely awesome to get caught up with you, but especially in this area of the paint, it's a place where you and I have dabbled when we talk basketball the past years, but not exclusively like we can today. So I appreciate you making that commitment. What's going on, Buzz? How you doing? I'm doing great. I, I feel honored that uh, you would ask me to be on, and I mean that in the most sincere way. I've, I think you've done uh, 70 of these, and uh, yesterday as I was preparing, I looked back at my podcast list i've listened to 52 of them i love it and uh you've had so many good guests on elite level guests and so much wisdom from each of them it's um to be honest with you i've, I've stopped listening to a lot of your sports stuff and i only listen to this Hey, Buzz, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. I appreciate this. And that's really high praise. So, And I know you're not just saying that. So thank you very, very much. I do appreciate it. So let me ask you, like, clearly, we all make our choices. And then our choices make us. Or, Buzz, as you like to say, your decisions reveal your priority. What does that mean, your decisions reveal your priority? Yeah, I think the cost of anything is the amount of life that you exchange for it. And sometimes that's what you exchange for it immediately, but it's also what you exchange for it in the long run. And so I think it's all about decisions. And I think most people that are successful, uh, they don't have a problem focusing on anything. Uh, but I think they have, trouble with their decisions on what their priorities are going to be. And I think the best, regardless of industry, I think they figure out and select, if that's the right word, their priorities. And they're comfortable ignoring everything else. Hey, listen, first impressions matter. There are no two ways around it. And what's the first thing that somebody notices about you? In most cases, it's your face. More importantly, it's your skin. And if you aren't already, it is time to put your best face forward. So how do you do that? By adding a skincare routine. And you know what? It's not hard. You just don't have the right tools. You don't have the right knowledge. Not until now. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare, and it is here to save the day. And right now, save 20% at calderalab.com when you use my promo code Rome. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A lab.com. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup twice a day routine to transform your skin i've been doing it i'm on camera every single day it's already transforming my skin i love it you see the skincare world is heavily female driven and has long been the wild wild west for men whether men can't find the right brand 
or they simply lack knowledge and understanding, skincare is something that requires attention. Luckily, men's skincare has never been easier with Caldera Lab and the regimen. Caldera Lab has everything you need. And it's made with top-tier ingredients and is a great addition to your daily routine. It takes less than a minute, morning and night, and they're here to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. The product is absolutely awesome. I love it. Right now, get 20% off with my code ROME, R-O-M-E, at CalderaLab.com. That's 20% off CalderaLab.com by using code ROME, R-O-M-E. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. I think you have to, I think we're always fighting, being comfortable, ignoring the rest. But most of us facilitate back and forth on committing to nothing and then we're distracted by everything. And I think that that's what I've learned the most from in this project that you're doing is what is it that I'm going to be committed to? And I think you can ascertain and discern through time and what's important to you. This is what I'm committed to, but then are you comfortable just ignoring everything else? And so I think that's the best way that I would answer that. I think that's all really, really interesting and a lot to unpack there. Let me ask you this, Buzz, because it seems like people are feeling more pressure than ever before people are anxious and they feel pressure in your background in your experience is pressure then a burden because it certainly can feel like that is it a burden or is it a privilege yeah i I think everybody processes pressure differently um you process pressure differently in your industry uh you're the icon in your industry you've set the pace you've set the tone You've done it for decades. I think that's probably to some degree what's led to this. I think uh, 18-year-old freshmen in college playing basketball process pressure differently because for many of them, it's the first time they've ever felt this level of pressure. And I think all of us to some degree, too often we live out the expectation that others have for us. And that creates uh, an internal pressure. And many of us don't know how to process that pressure. But in the most pure form for me, I think pressure is a privilege because if you're feeling that pressure, many times it's for you uh, to be your best, not uh, comparing yourself to others, but can you be yourself in that particular moment? And if you're in that moment, uh, that is... For many of us, I think that is a privilege. All right. So, Buzz, I've got two sons. We have two sons, my wife, Janet, and I. Janet yep. will not appreciate this, but I often call our younger son Shortcut Logan because if there's a shortcut, my guy will take it. I love the kid. He's, he's a blast. I love this kid so much, but I'm trying, as the old head, I'm trying to teach him the right way and the wrong way. So I'm here to ask you this. Do you believe in hacks or shortcuts? In your mind, do they exist? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, and I think all of our younger children are probably closer to hacks and trying to figure out those hacks than our firstborn or oldest children. Um, I think the hard way is the right way. 
and the hard way is not a hack. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're all not trying to figure out ways to be more successful, but being more successful in many times, many respects, sometimes is being more efficient, being more effective. I don't think that that's necessarily a hack, but I think when you're going through it the hard way, not looking for a shortcut, that's when you are able to kind of figure out what some of those uh, ways to be more impactful and be more efficient are. But I, I don't think that hacks are the right approach long-term for sure. I'm with you too, Buzz. You know, it's taken me a long time to figure this out, but I'm starting to figure it out right now. The importance of relationships. Now you, Buzz, like to say that relationships are either transactional or transformative. What's the difference? Yeah, I, I think it's what everybody would think that listens to this. Uh, transactional is we went to the bank and I cashed the check and the bank did their job and the check served as the transaction and transformational is uh, there's a relationship to it. There's a life expectancy to it. Um, there's not a finish line. It's for their life. And long-term, I think transformational is always the best. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm judging transactional. I understand that that happens a lot in our business, but Transformational is when you build relationships that are so strong that they can bear the weight of the truth. Transactional typically means that truth is not the priority. It's not what you're trying to accomplish. You're just trying to check something off uh, your list of things to do. Transformational is um, you're trying to help. You're trying to develop. You're trying to grow. And so to me, I, I'm always on the, I want to tilt towards the side of transformational. And the older I get, I think I've improved in that regard. And it wasn't uh, that when I was young, I didn't want to be transformational, Jim. I think it was, to be honest, I didn't really understand the depth of meaning between the two. Exactly. I, I would totally agree with that. And that's what I mean when I say, Buzz, I'm finally now starting to understand this and figure this out. Let me ask you this. Like yeah. in your business, my business, any business, I understand that you're not going to win consistently without talent. But in your opinion, what's more important, talent or the individual's drive and hunger? Yeah, I I think you have to accept no matter what industry that you're in, that there is going to be some level of metric that determines success. And in many categories of your life, of my life, in our program, in your business, uh, within the listeners of this podcast, we're constantly trying to find ways to measure our results and when you're constantly looking for ways to measure things, you're trying to create metrics to measure it. And in our industry, did you win? Did you lose? In your industry, how many times will this podcast be downloaded? How many people are listening to your normal show? How many people are watching your normal show? There's always going to be metrics. I think as a leader, uh, as a person that's the CEO of your company, 
I think you have to decide which metrics mean the most to you. And I think the things that were important to me at 35, uh, the things that I would look at on the figurative box score, the things that I thought correlated to winning the most, those things have evolved and those things have changed similar to you, um, hence this podcast. And so I think you have to be comfortable with how you're going to be judged from the outside. But I think you have to have peace with regardless of how you're judged from the outside, that you feel internally that in your process and in how you're treating people and the way you're going about things, that regardless of the outcome, you're at peace that you did right um, in the metrics that you feel are most important for your life. Hell yes, I love that. It is that inside-out approach. But as you mentioned leadership, so let me follow on that really quickly. In your opinion, how and why do leaders become stale and then ultimately non-existent? What happens? Yeah, your your um, your rate of learning has to be greater than or equal to the rate of change. And leaders become stale because they stop learning. Leaders become malnourished figuratively because they stop feeding themselves things that will allow them to grow. And I think no matter what industry, yours is a perfect example over the last five years. Uh, ours is a perfect example over the last three years. The job that you had at 30 is not the job that you have at 50. And the same is true with me. We're still in the same industry, but the actual skill of the job the way the job is judged, the way you go about your job, in many respects, it's not the same industry. And so it happens for sure in all of the industries that I pay attention to and or study. I think you have to constantly find ways to learn and you have to learn at a rate that's at least the same pace, if not better, than the rate of change and the rate of change in college athletics, the rate of change in the industry that you're in, it's happening at a more volatile rate than has ever happened that I'm aware of. And so that requires us to be able to be malleable, to be able to find the right diet, so to say, to feed us so that we're constantly changing and we're not necessarily changing what we believe or sacrificing what's most important, but I think that you've constantly have to be evolving and you have to hashtag get better and you have to change your better. And then you have to change your best because if you don't, um, you do become stale, you do become a dinosaur, you do become your blaming, complaining, being defensive, about everything related to yourself and it's because you're you're starving because you've become stale 
I think that that's absolute gold. I want to make sure the listeners understand exactly what you just said. Quote, while we are leading, our rate of learning must be as fast as the rate of change. With the world changing so dramatically, Buzz, and so quickly, what is the best way to make sure we're learning as fast as the world is changing, especially when we're so committed to what we're already doing? Yeah, and I think that that's that's what all of this boils down to, uh, whether you're talking to any of the previous 69 guests or you're you're not talking to any guests that's what we're constantly trying to discern is what is most important and then what is most important and how can i improve on those things and then how can i let go of the things that do not help me as a leader but most importantly doesn't help those that I'm responsible in leading because the leader is always going to know when they're hungry figuratively and when they're starving, they're going to know it before those that are following them know it. And so when the, those followers, uh, those that work for you, um, those that play for me, when they realize that you're the same, that you haven't changed, that you haven't grown, that you're not hungry to improve. That process, you you realize that months in advance that you were the one that was starving. And so I, I think the difference between successful people and really successful people, and you're in the one percentile of really successful people in your industry, the difference between those, I'm not talking about the bad ones, I'm talking about the good ones and the great ones, not the Jim Collins, good to great. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the science of the companies that he studied, but the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. You have to say no much more than you say yes. And it's, and it's because uh, your no helps distinguish your yes. And that's the, uh, in our program, learning at a rate greater to or equal to change, that we just write a capital L, the greater to or equal than sign, and a capital C. And we, regardless of our role, the video coordinator, the defensive coordinator, uh, the administrative assistant, the director of operations, the head coach, the point guard, the young power forward, Hey, how are you learning, learning relative to the weight room, learning relative to the film room on the court? You can look at that in any category in your walk, in my walk, in their walk. If you're if you don't have an insatiable desire to improve and you're not hungry to get better, that that you're you're, there's a ceiling to your growth. And that's nobody wants a ceiling you want to you want to continue to grow right buzz you're either getting better or you're getting worse nobody stays the same if you're getting worse you're slowly dying so i mean when you talk about that hunger that ferocity buzz like is drive innate or can you develop it like a muscle in other words how do you increase drive and hunger yeah i i i think uh you know it's the chicken or egg, nature, nurture. Right. Um, I, I, I do think 
that your environment impacts that. I do think that what your eyes see impacts that. I think what your ears hear impacts that. And I think sometimes it's in a very subliminal way. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have fun. I'm not saying you should work 20 hours a day. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that, but I'm saying our diet, our content diet, our diet relative to the words we say, relative to the people that we're around. I think that that influences uh, your level of hunger, your level of grit more than maybe what most people realize. And uh, it is your wife. It is your two sons. It is your producer. It is your director. It is my assistant coaches. It is our players. It, but you have to be really sure that the environment that you put yourself in and those that you're leading, um, that's the way that over time there's a compound impact in a positive way when the environment is such what we did yesterday it was good and and we need to understand why it's good but here's a new way for us to be just a little bit better and we need to continue to work to change our best in how to make it a little bit better and that's not just in the media that's not just in coaching i, I think there's um referred you know like it uh referred uh business referred pain. Uh, there's different ways that people use referred, but I think the environment there's referred in regards to, it's not just what you're doing professionally. It's what you're doing personally that has a parallel impact. I, I, I think that there's a ceiling when your life is not right, your game's not going to be right. Whether your game is a basketball player or a media icon, I think your life and your game and your craft those are the things that need to run parallel to one another. And I think that uh, you can train your craft, whatever your game is, you can train your brain, you can train your body. And I think all of those things have to be congruent in order for there to not be a ceiling. And I think when you're in the right environment, I think that grit and that work and that hustle, all of those words that we would attribute to that, I think that you can change that. I do. I think you're so right, Buzz. It's a matter of being in align alignment. You have to be aligned. You have to be aligned. If these things off to the side are not right, then of course you're not going to be right when it comes time to perform and show up. Everything needs to be in alignment. Simple but not easy. Like what you just said, Buzz, you are really, really good at what you do. I would argue that you're even getting better at what you do. But how concerned are you that what you do would become your sole identity. You don't want that, right? I pray about it nonstop. Uh, I know that is very transparent and maybe not the appropriate words to use. And I study, I study that topic probably as much as any other. And I spend an inordinate amount of time as an employed educator slash coach talking to fired coaches, talking to retired coaches, talking to those that have been before me and the results were outstanding. Their career was hall of fame. Like their career ended abruptly because I want to hear the wisdom that is coming from the other side of this, because I do not want my identity 
to be that as a coach. I understand it's what I do. I understand in many respects, it overwhelms my life. It overwhelms my family's life. I have four children, two are now in college and two are still left at home. And I'm convicted when I see those, my two that are in college, when they come home for a week in the summer, I'm like, I've spent an inordinate amount of time around other people's children. And I feel so good about it. And there's a lot of fun things. And I'm not just talking about the basketball. And then I look at my kids and I'm like, yeah, but those are your kids. And my kids are not important than those kids. They're all the same. They're all loved the same. They're all created, in my opinion, the same. But to your point, like, uh, I love what I do and I feel so blessed. And it's bigger than any dream that I've ever had um, relative to where I was and where I started and where I am today. And I'm humbled by all of it. But I cannot allow my ego to become so involved that that's who I am. And so I, I, <laughs> I stay away from my phone more than I ever have. Uh, my circle is smaller than it's ever been. My circle has become a dot and I'll see people that have been a part of my circle and they're like, buzz, I, I don't ever hear from you. And I'm like, man, I'm, I just, I'm uh, nothing went wrong. I'm just really trying to concentrate on with great humility, uh, and an insatiable desire to every day work on maximizing myself because I've realized that in order to do that, if I can do that, then I can have gratitude, the appropriate amount of gratitude so that I can help others maximize themselves. And that topic relative to my identity, I spend a lot of time writing, thinking, listening, praying about how do I make sure that it's what I do, it's not who I am. I mean, Buzz, I could do this for hours, but of course I'm going to respect I. your time. I, I mean, I love this. I, I, I'm getting so much out of this, and I could do it for hours. I will pick my spots, but let me ask you a few more things. For instance, you come across some of the most successful and productive people in the world in all walks of life, some of the best leaders anywhere, generally speaking. Does this elite group make excuses ever for anything? No, I don't think so. And, um, you know, I have very few basketball friends. I have a lot more football friends than I do basketball, but I have a lot more friends that are authors, that are leaders that I, you know, I, I take two trips a month in the off season and have the last 15 years to learn from a leader and learn from an author. And the first question always with the authors, many of which are the first times I've ever met them. Can you tell me what didn't make your book? And they're always like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I haven't written a book, but I kind of understand the process of writing a book. What, what didn't make your book? I've already read your book. I've already taken notes on your book. I don't want to ask you really questions about your book. I kind of want to, the first question I want to know is what didn't make your book? 
Because I don't think that whether you're on a meteoric rise in your industry or you're going about it step by step, I don't think that the best make excuses. Um, and when you, you know, like I've, I mean, I've done it since I've done it since I was a kid. I would record VCR tapes, you know, post game press conferences, and I still do it now. It's just a little bit more digitally. Uh, I read the sport pages every day of every Power Five uh, college basketball, college football sporting pages, the software for every NFL team, every NBA team, and I read everything that every coach says and the best ones. They don't BCD. They don't blame. They don't complain. They don't defend. And when they are taking the bullets, when it's not necessarily their responsibility, those are the ones that you know, in my opinion, are going about it the right way because they don't have an excuse for whatever the outcome was. Even if the outcome was good or bad, they don't have an excuse. And I think, um, I think the best in any field function without excuses. Buzz, I will be adding that to my toolbox as soon as we finish this BCD. (laughs) I love that. Now, what's interesting, Buzz, you have not written a book, but you are a carnivorous reader. You devour books. How many books a year would you say you read? Yes, sir. I read a book a week and have uh, read a book a week for for a long time. Long period of time. I, I don't know exactly how many years. Um, as as I progressed in the business and I could hire student workers to take notes on all of the books that I was reading each day, I've been able to track it probably a little bit more accurately. But I do read a lot. Um, I think the people that you meet and the books that you read will be who you are in five years. And I think there's so much experience, life experience that comes from each book. You know, you've had so many authors on your show. I mean, uh, Ryan Holiday is one of my favorite people in the world, and I've gotten to know him and love him. And John Gordon the same way. You know, the 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 life that they give to each book and the experiences that go in each book to be able to read those books and those experiences, I hope, um, propel me from maybe some of those same, uh, lessons. And so, yes, sir, I, I have, I I read a lot. You read as much as anybody I know, Buzz, frankly. And I love that line about if you want to know what you're going to be or what it's going to look like in five years from today, consider what you read and who you hang out with. You know, you kind of you mentioned this. I want to go back to something you said before. You mentioned the word diet a couple of times. It used to be like you are what you eat. But is it not a case now of you are what you consume? It's not just what you're putting in your body. It's what you're putting in your mind. Right. That's it. Right. That's exactly right. We we. um, my my uh, nutritional diet is not just uh, related to the four food groups. Uh, yes, I need to continue to pay attention to, and I do monitor my my eating habits. But diet uh, diet pertains to every part of your life, and you know what what you don't do determines what you can do. You can say that relative to your what you eat. 
You can say that relative to what you listen to. You can say that relative to what you allow your eyes to see. You can say your diet relative to your time. Time either promotes you or exposes who you are. So how do you use your time? You know, and if you uh, went to the little country church where I went to, they would always say that your checkbook uh, determines what your priorities are, that your your finances are a diet. Where are you? Where do you spend your money? So I try to think of diet in every uh, particular category of my life, because I think that that's, that's what moves the needle is your diet in each of those categories. Man, I'm so glad that I went back to that and I asked you that. I love that. That diet really does apply to everything. And, and something I know that you like to say, everything matters. In fact, your first quote yep. shirt at Virginia Tech was, everything matters. Is that essentially, yep. Buzz, the same thing as how you do anything is how you do everything? Why does everything matter? That's exactly right. Yes, sir. That's what it is. It was quote shirt one, year one at Tech. And uh, it, how you do anything is how you do everything. We've heard all of those quotes. We've heard all of those sayings. And and the little things um, are not the little things. They're the biggest things. And whatever those little things are, I think you have to approach them as if they're big things. Because uh, if you teach that the little things are the big things, in many respects, that's the margin. That's the difference between success. That's the difference between failure and everybody um, kind of views success and failure in a different way. And I know that's how this conversation started, but I do believe everything matters. I, can, your body language matters. Your tone of voice matters. Uh, how you uh, take care of yourself, uh, that matters. Uh, not just necessarily how you dress, but how you take care of your body how you treat your wife, how you talk to your children, um, how you coach your players, how you lead your staff, no matter what it is, I, I do believe that everything matters because there is value and, you know, things are created twice and uh, it's created first in your mind and then it's in reality. And so we always have so many uh, ideas some are good, some are bad. We always have so many thoughts because we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anybody else. And so uh, things are created twice. And so you constantly have to monitor your diet because the things that are first in your mind, that's going to come out in your walk. And so when you're having those thoughts in your mind, you've got to correct those thoughts so that as it comes out in your life, uh, everybody realizes that everything does matter. What's incredible about that response, Buzz, was I was going to ask you one more or talk to you about one more topic before I cut <laughs> you loose, and you literally just said it. I was going to say, this one is a gem. I want you to explain, and you just started. I want you to explain what you mean by this quote, what's running through your mind will always come out in your walk. How does that work? Yeah, yeah your, um, your, your, your first thought, should be your second word and your grandmother probably mentioned that to you or your parents when you were growing up watch what you say and i think um our world has changed so much and everybody wants to be the first the first to break a story uh the first to win a game 
the first to say I did it. And I completely understand all of that. And I'm not critiquing any of that. But I think our words have such power. And our words are a double-edged sword. And so I think that when you think something before you speak it, if you're thinking, I'm going to speak second. I think that's why uh, everything should be forward. Our ears are facing forward. Our eyes are facing forward. Our nose is shaped where it's facing forward. Our lips are shaped where they're facing forward. It's because we're supposed to live in a very forward, uh, attacking sort of way. But I think um, when you verbalize something, Jim, it should be the second thing because it's happening in your mind first. And you need to make sure that before it comes out your mouth, that it's the appropriate thing at the appropriate time, because what comes out of your mouth is going to come out in your life. And so that's where that quote came from. And I 1000% believe in it. I love that so much. So walk it off on this for me, Buzz. How do you personally go about controlling thoughts and not letting your thoughts control you? What's the process? Yeah, uh, the first thing that I would say is, uh, other than my identity, uh, I listen to any and every possible thing that I can relative to self-talk. I've read the best 30 books, in my opinion, relative to the stories that we tell ourselves. Uh, because I think, not just for me, I have a very chaotic brain. Uh, I have many different idiosyncrasies uh, that I don't think are peculiar, but for those people that don't know me or see me on TV or listen to uh, this podcast, they stop and go, man, he's a weird person. Um, I do think that self-talk, particularly coming out of the pandemic, uh, when many of us were in isolation I think it's, we're only beginning to see some of the ramifications of that, some of the residue of that. And so I've spent a lot of time, to be honest with you, really thinking about that and trying to learn about that, particularly with our within our program, when uh, our job is to serve our players. Like these, these kids went through secondary education in a way that you and I never experienced it. Uh, they lived through a pandemic. And so the things that they're telling themselves, the things that they're seeing on social media, a lot of times they're not even sure how to articulate that. And they're not even sure how to process that. And so I think, I think self-talk is so important. And I think we all have self-talk and, you know, if you worry about the things that you can't control, then the worry actually controls you. And I think there's a lot of worry in our world. And I think a lot of that worry stems from the things that we think about. And so I, I, I don't know that I have a conclusive answer to any of it, but I do think that it, it, it's for sure become more of a priority in what we're doing and in how we're doing it. Because I think that the best way for any of us to be our best is to be in a psychologically safe environment. And so I think people have to feel comfortable talking 
And sometimes they're going to talk and not think about what they're going to say. But a lot of that talk is self-talk. And I think when you can help people without, I'm not a psychologist and I wasn't trained to be one and I'm not trying to be one now, but I do think you have to be able to help people process what it is that they're thinking about all the time. And I think in order to help them, you have to help yourself first. Buzz Williams, like I said, at the very top, Buzz, you and I have dabbled in this sort of conversation when we talk basketball, but I couldn't wait to talk about this exclusively. And believe me when I tell you, I could do this for three more hours, but out of respect for you and your time, I'm going to cut you loose. Buzz, I appreciate you so much. Nothing but love and respect. And I really appreciate that you've made as much time to listen to this podcast as you have, and then to show up today the way you did. Much respect, my guy. Thank you so much. I, I, I respect you way more than you know, and I'm your biggest fan. And I think this project will be part of the legacy and may have more longer reaching impact than you could possibly imagine. Because I think that there's uh, people that are being impacted by this that have nothing to do with sports. And in the end, I think that that's that's what this is for. And that's why you're doing it. And I absolutely love it. And I love you. Buzz, it means the absolute world to me. Thank you so much for saying so. I love you too, and I know we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I mean, I can't help but laugh when I hear Buzz say, Rome, you know I don't do much media. And in fact, brother, I don't even really listen to your daily sports radio program anymore, but I've heard damn near every one of your episodes of The Reinvention Project. Honestly, that makes me chuckle, but more importantly, it makes me proud. It means I've earned that man's respect in this space. And as somebody as thoughtful, motivated, and inspiring as Buzz Williams consistently is, getting him to spend time with this pod is the best compliment that I could ever receive. And by the same token, that knowledge and insight that he just shared with all of us was absolute gold. And I hope that you got as much out of that conversation as I did because that absolutely was one of the best to date. Much respect and appreciation, Buzz. Nobody better. And I'll look forward to catching up with you as soon as I possibly can once again. If you got as much out of that conversation as I did, let Buzz know on social media. And if you could subscribe to this podcast and leave a review, you know that would mean the absolute world to me. As always, thank you once again for finding this pod and listening, and I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.